tonight? Well, I want to have the opportunity to welcome our campuses at this point in Waterbury, New Milford, and in Derby. Again, for anybody watching online, uh, we are in a sermon series right now called Jesus Is. We're focusing on the character of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. And so I'm going to keep encouraging to bring the word with you uh, to church or to your homes. If you're watching online, please bring the word with you, uh, physical copy, on your phone, whatever it is, okay? Let's get into the word together. I'm going to tell you where we're going to be. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, uh, verses 1 to 6. So please get there if you can. I'm going to be talking a little bit about Matthew 8 as well. And the topic for today is Jesus is forgiving. Praise God. Here's why. Because you need it. Come on. Praise God that Jesus is forgiving because we all need it. Praise God he's forgiving. You know, I I have a a question that I want to ask you at the start of this message, and it's a very serious question. Um, it's a, it's a deep question. You know, I want to take us into a place where Jesus can change and transform us today. Let's look back at Matthew chapter eight, Matthew chapter eight, Jesus is in his hometown and then he crosses the lake in Matthew chapter eight and nine. Jesus crosses the lake a few times. It's interesting. This is the sea of Galilee. And so he's in his hometown, but then he crosses the lake In the middle of crossing the lake, there's this great storm. No problem for Jesus. Calms the storm. Once he gets to the other side of the lake, he's in this town that's modern-day Kersey today. You can look up that on on the map and see kind of how he's crossing the lake and where he, he lands. When he gets there, there are these two men who are possessed by demons. Jesus confronts them. No problem for Jesus, by the way. No problem for Jesus. Jesus confronts them. And this is what the demons say to Jesus when they see Jesus coming. Why are you interfering with us, son of God? Now, they they rightly articulate this. Why are you interfering us? Jesus was an interference to the demons. (laughs) He was going to stop their activity. And they rightly call him the son of God. But, But catch Catch that that question. Why are you interfering with us, son of God? Jesus casts the demons out of these two men and he he throws them into a herd of pigs. Those pigs run off, off a cliff to their death. Now all of a sudden the people of the town come and have some words with Jesus. And they tell Jesus to leave. So essentially what these folks are saying is stop interfering with us Jesus you're causing a problem for us go I have a question for you I'm going to tell you what it is in a moment it's a serious question you know soon uh, you're going to have some trick-or-treaters maybe coming to your door and there's this common unspoken rule I don't think there's a website or anything out there but there's this common unspoken rule that if you want trick-or-treaters to come to your house, what do you do? You keep the lights on. If you don't want them, you keep the lights off, right? That's kind of the rule. And so as kids are going through the neighborhoods, they see the lights are on, they can go to that house because they know they're welcome there. Here's my question for you today. Are the lights on at your house? Now listen, I'm not talking about Halloween. 
I'm not talking about trick-or-treating. What I'm asking you today is, are the lights on at your house? Are you in a place right now, right now at 9.33, or whenever you're picking this up online, right now in this moment where the lights are on and you're saying, Jesus, you are welcome here. Have your way in me. I'm telling you, today is a message, and it's not my message, it's the message of the word of God that can change your life. But the lights have to be on. You see, we can sit through things, we can observe things, we can hope that Brian will say things that I want him to say, right? We, we can do all that kind of, you could be listening for that one thing, hoping he'll say it, and miss everything else. So I'm wondering today, would you turn the lights on so that Jesus can speak to us? Would you turn the lights on so that, that the Lord of the universe, the God who empowers us and loves us so much that sent his son, can speak to us? And if the lights aren't on, maybe you're saying, well, how do I turn them on? Here's how. Just in your own heart, you say, Jesus, you are Lord. Have your way in me today. Give me the ears to hear you. Turn the lights on. All right, now are we ready to get into our passage today? Come on, come on. Are you ready for the word of God to move you? Listen, this is the word of God. It moves, it's, it's living, it's active. It changes our lives. Hey, don't come to church unless you're ready to be changed by Jesus. <laughs> right? Let's, let's come ready to be changed by Jesus. This word is gonna change our life for Jesus. Here it goes. Chapter nine, I'm gonna read from starting in verse one, as you always should do at the beginning of a chapter. Here we go. It says this, Jesus climbed into a boat, went back across the lake to his own town. So now he's crossing back again. Verse two, some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. If, if you wanna read this story in another gospel, you'd read it in Luke's gospel, chapter five. Luke gives a little bit more detail. You might remember this is the story where some friends bring their paralyzed friend on a mat to a home. Jesus is teaching in that home. There's great crowds of people around, and so they decide to take the man up on the roof, cut a hole in the roof. You know, just this is just what you do, right? And you drop, and he, they drop the person into the home right in front of Jesus' feet. This is that story in Matthew's gospel. Matthew, he, he doesn't tell you about all the mess and the, and the house and all that kind of stuff, but this is that story. So some friends bring this paralyzed man to Jesus. There are so many things that I love about these friends. I love that they were, they were desperate to see their friend healed. They, they desperately wanted to see their friend healed. I, as I thought about that, I wonder, do I have those kinds of friends? <laughs> I do. Do you have those kinds of friends that desperately want to see your restoration, desperately want to see you healed, desperately want to see you grow in the things of the Lord, that they would do everything they could to get you in front of Jesus? These are those kinds of friends here. They desperately wanted to see their friend healed. And they also knew that Jesus was able to heal. I love that because they're bringing and they, they did everything they could here so that they could get them in front of Jesus because they knew, wow, this rabbi, this great teacher, is he the Messiah? Is he God? We're not quite sure yet. But what we do know is that he's healing everybody that he sees and everybody that, he's te that he touches. So we're going to get our buddy in front of him. This Jesus is able. If, if he's got a shot at healing, it's with this guy, Jesus. 
I love this too. When you read Luke's gospel in chapter five, you read that there's a great crowd. Like whenever Jesus would begin to speak, people wanted to hear it. All these people were coming around and and gathering into this house and, and bursting at the seams. And I love this is that for these friends, the back row wasn't good enough. You know, they could have come and said, oh, it's pretty packed. Let's just kind of stay out here on the outskirts and, and maybe Jesus will catch our eye and, and maybe then he'll see that we brought our friend and then maybe possibly Jesus will stop what he's doing and come and heal our friend. No, they weren't satisfied. They weren't content with being the people in the back row. Now listen, if you're in the back row today, I'm not talking about you, okay? No, don't look, don't turn. I understand. The back row is sometimes a great place to be. But... When they're talking about getting close to Jesus, they were not content with being far from him. They had to be close. They had to be close. And I love the fact that they did everything in their power, everything they could to bring their friend to Jesus, including cutting a hole in the roof, making a mess, disturbing the whole crowd. I love that, friends. If we're gonna go deeper in our relationship with Jesus than we've ever gone this year, this is the kind of people that we need to be. People who are willing to do everything that we can to get in front of Jesus. And this is what these friends do. Let's move on. It says this, some people, some friends, brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man. Let's stop here. I love that Jesus saw the faith of these friends. That caught my attention as I was reading this passage because Jesus, he sees our faith. As I thought about that, I thought to myself, I want to step out in faith more often. Man, if Jesus is taking notice of me stepping out in my faith, I want to step out in faith more often. I remember I had a hockey coach. His name was Coach Eads. He still lives in the area here. And he was a great coach, but we were intimidated by him big time. And oftentimes he would call one of the kids up to demonstrate something. And this was a big deal. If you got called up to demonstrate something, that meant you were doing it well. And I remember one day he called me up and he said, Brian, I want you to demonstrate how to skate on all your edges. There's four, you know, four different edges uh, on your skate. I don't need to go into that. On your four edges. And so I got up and I skated on all four edges and and all the kids were watching. That's not me, but it's a picture that could be it could be me if we wanted it to be, but it's not me, right? And, and, and I, I remember doing that. I remember going home feeling like, wow, the coach noticed me. The coach saw something in me. Jesus sees our faith. He sees the unseen. He sees our faith. I love that. You can take the picture down. They don't need to see that anymore, right? They, they, he sees our faith. It just encouraged me, man. I, I, want to, I want Jesus to see my faith more often. And so it goes on. It says, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, after seeing his faith, be encouraged. My child, your sins are forgiven. This is a loaded statement. Be encouraged. What? How am I to be encouraged? I was carried here on a mat. And you're telling me to be encouraged? For what reason? I'm gonna give you two reasons, my child. Because you have a place, you have a, a, you have a family that you can belong into. You have a great inheritance. You are my child. You're a child of the Lord. And your sins are forgiven. 
I love to imagine the friends who work so hard in this moment to bring their friend to cut a hole in the roof. This is a thatched roof. I mean, it was messy. It took a lot of work, maybe some embarrassment. They lowered their friend before him. They're looking for healing, his physical healing. They're listening in, and the first thing they hear this Jesus say is, be encouraged, my child, your sins are forgiven. That's not what we came here for, Jesus. We didn't come for the forgiveness of sins. Heal him. What are you doing? Sometimes we argue with the Lord, don't we? We're gonna talk about this in a moment, but Jesus knows what our greatest need is. And he looked right at that man and he articulated his greatest need. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Passage goes on. Some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, now these are the people probably on the outskirts looking in, looking for Jesus to make some mistakes They were the the leaders of religious law. They were the leaders of religion. They were the leaders of, of faith. They said to themselves, that's blasphemy. Does he think he is God? You see, here's the process they're going through. They know, well, if if he's offering the forgiveness of sins, when a person sins, they're sinning against God, and it only makes sense for God to be able to forgive people when they sin against him. And now here's this man, this teacher, this rabbi standing in front of us saying their sins are forgiven. That must mean he's claiming to be God. This is blasphemy. How can he be God? (laughs) And then I love how Jesus responds. It says this, Jesus knew what they were thinking. So first, in the first group of people, Jesus saw their faith. He saw the hidden things. He saw the the things that weren't right out in the open. He saw their faith, and now he knew what these folks were thinking. And so he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Oh, man. Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? The answer to that question is actually very easy. It'd be easier for us to go around and say, your sins are forgiven, than to say, stand up and walk. Here's why. Because I could say, hey, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Just believe me. Your sins are forgiven. And there's really no outward kind of proof of that. Your sins are forgiven. But if I say, stand up and walk, and that person doesn't stand up and walk, well, then I'm, I'm called out. It's pretty clear that I have no power or authority. So Jesus is saying, hey, what's easier, friends, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, stand up and walk? And the people would probably be thinking, it's harder to say, stand up and walk. And so Jesus goes on using this, this argument, and he says, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man me, has the authority on earth to forgive sins. You think it's harder for me to say, stand up and walk. Well, if I can do that, then that proves that I can also say, your sins are forgiven. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumps up, and he's healed. Do you know, in that statement, you get an outline of the ministry of Jesus. Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. The ministry of Jesus is this. Stand up, 
be restored. The Lord wants to restore us. He restores us while we walk this earth, and one day he's going to fully restore us when he returns. He does a restoration ministry. This is the ministry of Jesus. He heals our hearts. He forgives us. He makes us into a a new person. Stand up. Pick up your mat. This is Jesus saying, remember me. This is the ministry of Jesus too. He He wanted that man to take that mat home with him as a daily, maybe hourly reminder as he passed it going, look what the Lord has done for me. I once was confined to that mat, but he raised me up. He restored me. He wants us to remember him in all that we do. Remember him in our workplaces. Remember him in the way we speak. Remember him in the way that we interact with one another as brothers and sisters. This is the ministry of Jesus. He wants us to remember him. And then he says, go home. (laughs) This is the ministry of redemption. He redeems us. He sends us home as a new person. You're brand new. Be healed. Return to where you belong. A saved and free person. And the man jumped up and went home. Fear swept through the crowds as they saw this happen. And they praised God for giving humans such authority. Let me uh, highlight just a few things for us. The first is this. As I read this story and I was asking the Lord, what, what would you have us learn from this? I felt the Lord say this. Those who seek him receive from him. This is the teaching of this passage is that those who seek Jesus receive from Jesus. Look at the two different groups of people in this story. You have the friends and the paralyzed man, and then you have these religious leaders, these these folks who are trying to keep the law, these folks who are trying to catch Jesus, these people who had a particular way of thinking Jesus should be and act. You have these two different groups, and and which, which group receives from Jesus? It's the group that seeks him with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul. It's it's the group of people who cut a hole in the roof in order to get in front of Jesus. It's not the people in the back row going, can he do that? Should he be doing that? That, That's not the way things have been done before. (laughs) No, it's the people who have fully submitted and surrendered to Jesus. You know, if we're gonna go deeper in our relationship with Jesus than we've ever gone before, It's going to happen as we seek Jesus. I wonder who was paralyzed in this story, really. See, one of the groups, you see a man who is paralyzed in his body. But the other group, these religious leaders who had no room for Jesus being who he was, they were paralyzed in their hearts. So who really was paralyzed in this story? What does it look like for you in this season to carry your deepest desires, needs to Jesus on a mat? What does it look like for you to carry your your deepest needs to Jesus? What does it look like for you right now to seek him with your whole heart? Because those who seek Jesus are those who receive from Jesus. Second thing that I wanted to share about this passage is this, is that Jesus cares most about our greatest need. I'm sure the people were shocked that Jesus spoke about forgiveness before he talked about physical healing. 
when we would look at the situation, it would be pretty clear. This man needs physical healing. Heal him, Jesus. We've seen you do it. Get to it. Why aren't you doing that first? From our human perspective, that would make sense. But Jesus cares most about our greatest need. See, friends, when we present ourselves before Jesus, he sees what we need most. And our greatest need is not to be freed from our physical barriers and obstacles, although one day we will. Our greatest need is to be freed from what keeps us separated from him, our sin. That's what we need the most. I remember when I was in college, I played hockey, and the best player on our team was a guy named Kevin. And I remember Kevin injured his ankle, and, and the whole team was pretty upset by this. Like, well, this is not good. So imagine your, your best player, your goal scorer, you know, hurting his ankle. And so we began to think, okay, how long is it going to be for Kevin to heal? We made sure he was doing his PT. He was icing. Come on, Kevin, you got to get better. And all this focus was on healing Kevin's ankle. Well, one day the coach called me into the office and said, actually, you know what, Brian, um, Kevin has an, another need. He's actually failing his classes. We need to give him some help so that he can pass his classes. If he doesn't pass his classes, it doesn't matter how well his ankle is. He's not playing. You know, sometimes we think our greatest need is the ankle. Sometimes we think our greatest need is just to, to have that relationship restored or, or, or this thing or that thing or, or, or man, we need to get these things back on track. And, and sometimes we're, we're looking at the wrong thing and Jesus comes in and says, you know what? No, that's actually not your greatest need. Your greatest need is to be freed from your sin, freed from all those things that keep you from me. But often we can focus on the peripheral things. But unless we confront the main thing, Nothing really changes. We can focus on trying to kick the bad habit, and we can do it apart from Jesus. We can try to focus on you know, trying to redeem the friendship, the marriage, the relationship, but not really address the main thing. We can wrap ourselves in good things, like serving and speaking boldly about core convictions that we have, but we can avoid the most important thing. And we can easily miss the main problem. Our hearts are paralyzed. Our betrayal, our avoidance of Jesus, our disobedience, our rebellion against him. Jesus wants to meet your greatest need. And our greatest need is we need forgiveness. The freedom from shame, the freedom from guilt, the freedom from the things that control us and keep us from all that God has to offer. Jesus cares most about the heart of his people what is the condition of your heart? The next thing I want to share with you jumped off the page for me. is that Jesus knew the hearts of the people. See, Jesus sees what is hidden. I want to press in for a moment here. And I'm just going to warn you, this will be uncomfortable. Jesus sees what is hidden. He sees it. He saw the, the faith of the friends and he saw the hearts of the religious leaders who were against him. Why are your hearts, why do they have so much evil within them? This is what he asked them. He sees their, their hearts. Scripture says Jesus knew what they were thinking. He knew what was in their hearts. He knew what was in their mind. They could not hide it from Jesus. 
why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? I can remember as, as a kid, my mom knew everything. Like everything. I didn't know she knew all this stuff. We'd come home and we'd feel convicted. Mom, we got in trouble at school. I know. I know that you did. Hey, Mom, we were in the neighborhood and, and gotten some, you know, we were, we were wrestling and eventually turned into a fight with some of the neighborhood kids. We're sorry. I know. I know. Mom, my older brother, you know, he was pestering me. He took it too far. I mean, that guy's still doing it today, that guy. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I feel like the Lord wants to say to us right now, I know. I can see your hearts. I know what's going on. I know. I can see those secret places. I can see those hidden places. I'm walking in them right now. You might think you've got this all to yourself, all by yourself. You've got it sorted. You're the Lord of it over here. But Jesus sees it. He sees it. He knows about it. He's there with you in it. I want to say a couple of things about this. The first is that Jesus knows about those hidden things. And the second is, you know. You know what those hidden things are. And I really believe that there are probably many of us who are keeping things hidden that need to be confessed to the Lord today. Things that need to be rooted out of our life. Confess them to the Lord. Tell somebody to hold you accountable. Get help to walk away. Let me, let me be very specific with you. There might be some who are watching things they shouldn't watch, putting our eyes on things we, we shouldn't see. You know, to be honest with you, it could just be, you know, shows that are popular in our culture today. But if you're honest with yourself, you're dreaming about those things now. They've entered into that space. Maybe they've even caused some fear within you. But you got to watch, you got to watch, you got to put your, your eye on that. Yeah, there, there's, there's some inappropriate things, but, but the main story is this. Some of you maybe are looking at pornography. Some of you have entered into unhealthy relationships. It's just a text, Brian. No, it's not. It's the evil one getting into your heart. Some of you have taken it farther. Now you're making phone calls or chatting or maybe even meeting up in this secret space. Some of us, maybe we're doing some things with finances that aren't things with integrity. Maybe we're withholding or maybe we're using our power and our business position Maybe there's a lack of integrity there. But you're thinking, oh, nobody will know. Nobody sees it. If I just take this little bit or if I just spend here on the company's dime or this or that. Or maybe it's even good things, friends, that are hidden. Maybe for some of us, we're, we're trying to, to battle an illness all on ourselves, all by ourselves. Maybe we're trying to fight for our marriage all by ourselves. 
Maybe we're trying to fight for, for a child who's, who's gone away from the Lord all by ourselves. Or maybe we're trying to, to fight our anxiety and, it, and we're just keeping it all to ourself or our depression. Or maybe it's an addiction and you know, it's like you're, you're keeping it to yourself. I'll overcome it all by myself. It's this secret place. Jesus knows about that secret place. I don't know, but Jesus knows. And it's time in this moment to stop. If we want to go further than we've ever gone in Jesus before, we've got to root out these things. Maybe for you, it's a conviction that's pulled you away from the heart of Jesus. This secret place. But let me share some encouraging news with you as we end. Jesus stands ready to forgive and set free. Praise God. This is why he says, be encouraged. My child, your sins are forgiven. And actually, Jesus, in that secret place, just so you know, Jesus doesn't stand in a posture of condemnation. He doesn't. Don't let anybody tell you that. Jesus stands in a posture of love. His heart breaks for that secret place. But he loves you desperately and deeply. And he stands in a position and a posture ready to forgive. Despite what you're doing. Despite what we have done. Despite what you've said. He stands in a position to forgive you. See friends, when our sins are brought to Jesus, he forgives them. He was ready to forgive the woman caught in adultery and if the man were there too, he would have forgiven him. <laughs> he was ready to forgive Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He was ready to forgive the woman at the well. He was ready to forgive Peter after he denied knowing him three times. He was ready to forgive those who put him to death on the cross. As from the cross, as he's hanging there, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. This is not a message to shame you. This is not a message to, to cause great guilt within you. That's not the work of the Lord. The work of the Lord is to convict you in order to restore you. Convict you in order to free you. Convict you in order that you might understand the love of God like you've never understood it before. This is why he wants to say, I know there are secret places. I see them, but I want to help you out of them. I want to walk with you in them. This is our God. He stands ready to forgive you of our deepest and even our darkest sin. So here's the application for today, friends. We need to confess, confess and we need to repent of these secret places. And to do that, we need to fully trust Jesus. Fully trust him. I was recently at an ice cream shop. I'm often at an ice cream shop, actually. If you ever want to have some words with me, you know, invite me to ice cream, and that's when I'm in my best mood, so there you go. And it was one of these ice cream shops where you could take samples, and I took my girls there. We often go without Becca. She doesn't know how often I take the girls to ice cream, actually. And we were trying, and they were trying all these samples. One of my girls was trying, like, every ice cream with the samples, and I was getting, I finally said, stop with the samples, just pick the ice cream you're going to have, commit to it, and go all in for this ice cream, right? I like to make things spiritually spiritual, so here you go. I think too many of us in our faith, we just like to sample. 
We just like to sample. <laughs> but, but our God's a covenanting God. He's all in for us. So when you bring that, that sin to him, he's all in to forgive it. All of it completely. To transform you completely. To make you into a new person completely. He's all in for us. He's not a sampling God. He's an all in God. And so he's calling for us to say, listen, sometimes in order to experience the truth of who God is, you need to step out in faith. All in. I don't know how that butterscotch Captain Crunch ice cream is going to taste, but I'm going for it. And sometimes you need to just step out in faith and trust him for it. And this is one of those moments where we need to say, Lord, we trust you fully. We trust you so much we're going to be vulnerable and honest with you right now. And we trust you so much that we're going to share these things with you, trusting that you're going to faithfully forgive and free us from them. And so, friends, we need to confess. That means we need to walk into the presence of God boldly. Imagine yourself doing that. We need to share. We need to share our sins with Jesus. We need to put words to those secret places. And I want to encourage you to be specific. Lord, I have gone astray in this way. And then we need to ask. Ask for forgiveness, for release from these burdens. And after we confess, we need to repent, which means we don't go back to it. We turn from it. And we need to walk. We need to walk the other way. Leave it with Jesus. We need to share. Oftentimes we need to share these things with people who are close to us to help us stay accountable to them. And we need to ask. Ask people to walk with us in it. And so friends, I'm gonna leave our campus pastors with this moment here in Bethel. I'm gonna pray for us as well. I wanna encourage the campus pastors in this moment to step up and lead through a time of confession and repentance. I pray that, that this message, um, I pray it's been a bit uncomfortable. I, I pray that. I pray that maybe the Lord is stirring us right now because I know that when he does that, he comes in and, and he reveals his great love and mercy and power in our lives. And I pray that secret places would be uncovered and that you'd allow the Lord to come into those places to heal you, restore you, and call you into a different place. Uh, Jesus is forgiving. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our, our heads and our hearts in this moment. And as I do that, I'll invite the, the worship team forward. In just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to see a few people get baptized and publicly share what Jesus has done in their life. But Lord, right now, we, just, we bow our heads and our hearts before you. And we want to make our confession to you, Lord. So, Lord, right now, I just pray that you would hear our prayers. Lord, I pray that all of us would have the lights on, ready for you to come and do a great work within us, welcoming you, Jesus. Lord, if there's pride standing in the way right now, I pray that you would help us just lay that down. Come, Lord Jesus. I pray right now, just in these next moments, Lord, that as you hear from our own hearts, as we put words put words to these secret places I pray that you would hear our confession and so friends just take this time now these moments to confess those things to the Lord those secret places
Yeah, Lord, I pray that you would just do a, a, a breakthrough work right now. You know, oftentimes, friends, marriages are healed when we're willing to be honest with our own brokenness. Yeah, I see, um, just sense there might be some folks in here where there's been a lot of resentment, maybe resentment for people, resentment for the way things have turned out. It's just been kind of holding on to you. Maybe you even held on to it because it feels good in one sense to be resentful, to speak maybe poorly about somebody. It's become a secret place. Lord, we release those secret places to you. And Lord, we, we also want to do a, a repenting work. We are, we're sorry for those, those hidden things. Lord, I just pray that you'd cleanse them and purify them. And Lord, I pray that today would be a day where we walk away from them. We go in a different direction. That bitterness turns to joy. Where adultery turns into adoration of you. other direction, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, continue to do a great work within us. We thank you, Jesus, that you stand ready to forgive us. So, Lord, I pray that you would just reveal your great mercy and grace and love to every person here today. That you do not stand in condemnation, but, Lord, you stand ready to free us, save us, rescue us, encounter us and to walk with us. Oh Lord, we're so thankful. We're so thankful. Yeah. Pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus.